Hi, welcome to Teach Me Biology, our revision podcast for A-level biology students. I'm Ria Corbett. And I'm Sarah Matthews. Hi, I'm Ria Corbett. I'm a science teacher with biology specialism and on Teach Me Biology, I am teaching my co-host and little sister, Sarah Matthews. Biology, A-level topic by topic to hopefully provide you, our lovely listeners, with an audio revision resource. Yes, we hope that you incorporate us into your revision and as a part of your learning journey. Dip in and out, listen to the episodes on your weaker topics or use us as your audio biology bible. Whatever you need us for, we are here. So episode 47 is haemoglobin. Right, so right, so. so what we're going <laughs> to what we're going to cover today is haemoglobin is a protein with a quaternary structure. So okay. we're going to discuss that. Yeah. And it's different for different organisms because it allows them to adapt to their environment. So haemoglobins are a group of proteins, but they're different in different organisms. We're going to talk about the role of haemoglobin and red blood cells in the transport of oxygen in relation to the oxyhemoglobin disassociation curve and the cooperative nature of oxygen binding. Also, the effects of carbon dioxide concentration on the dissociation of oxyhemoglobin which is called the Bohr effect. So what do you already know about haemoglobin? Haemoglobin is shaped like a biscuit with a, like, a little dent in it. That's red blood cells. So red blood cells oh, are so like... haemoglobin is just blood? Haemoglobin is inside the red blood cells. It's a, like a protein that just is okay. inside it. Okay. It is in red blood cells. Is that is that all you know? Um, Not judging, just like it's... anything else? Best friend with white blood cells. That might be true, but I can't confirm. Its job is to carry oxygen from the lungs to the respiring tissues. As I said at the start, it's a quaternary structure. It's a protein with a quaternary structure. Do you know what that means? Do you remember anything about protein structure? Is that a phone cord thing? Yeah. Where it's in on itself and then in on itself. Yeah. 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 So... Its primary structure is the sequence of amino acids. So it'll have a specific sequence of amino acids, however long, but there's four of those chains. Mm-hmm. So it quaternary structure means that it's the polypeptide chain of amino acids folded or coiled, further folded and coiled into a specific shape, and that the quaternary structure is like more than one chain linked together. Haemoglobin is four separate protein strands linked together. So it's got that specific sequence of amino acids. It's coiled into a helix and then it's folded into a specific shape that allows it to carry oxygen. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. And then it's four polypeptide chains linked together. Each polypeptide chain is bonded to a heme group, which is a molecule that contains an iron ion. So iron two, as in like, iron the metal which is fe2 plus mm-hmm. each ion can bind to one molecule of oxygen so if there's four binding sites in each hemoglobin molecule each hemoglobin molecule can bind to four oxygen molecules does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah there's roughly about 270 million hemoglobin molecules in each red blood cell oh wow if you times that by four you've got just over 1 billion oxygen molecules per red blood cell. 
How many oxygen molecules do we breathe in when we go? I couldn't tell you. That's one to look up, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Now, haemoglobin, if you think about what haemoglobin has to do, it has to bind to the oxygen in the lungs, carry it all the way to tissues, cells that are respiring, that need the oxygen, and then it has to release it. So it behaves differently in the lungs and in the respiring tissue because of the conditions that it's in, in those two places. So haemoglobin behaves and acts differently. It's two-faced. It oh, acts differently. Yeah, It's like, yeah, yeah, come to me, come to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, get out. And then in the respiring tissues, it's like, whatever. Yeah. Get out. It's probably talking about the lungs <laughs> all the way to respiring tissue. <laughs> talking about the alveoli the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Just spoke to the lungs, they said this. Yeah. And gossiping with the white blood cells because you said that's oh, their the best, best friends. Mate, yeah. Yeah. So we talk about the binding of oxygen. Uh, we call it loading or associating. So haemoglobin will load oxygen or associate with oxygen very easily in the lungs. And then it will unload or disassociate in the respiring tissue. So it has to have the ability to do both those things. And those two properties are always going to be due, like I said, to the conditions that it's in, allowing it to change shape to load oxygen or unload oxygen. And we call this an affinity for oxygen. In the lungs, it has a higher affinity for oxygen. Affinity meaning tendency to bind with oxygen. When it's in an area that has a high concentration of oxygen, it has a higher affinity for oxygen and will bind to it easily. Mm-hmm. When it is in a condition where it is lower oxygen and higher carbon dioxide, it has a lower affinity for oxygen, doesn't want to hold on to it, wants to let it go. Does that sort of make sense to you right now? Yeah, it's like when you go out with some friends and when you're there, you have a really good time. But then when you're thinking about going before, you don't really want to go. That's a good one. You never want to go out, but you're happy when you do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to put a few more words to what I've just said. We've kind of built up now so we know the idea of the affinity. And I talked about it being like a high concentration of oxygen, lots of oxygen, which there would be in the lungs, in the alveolar when you breathe in. We call it a partial pressure of oxygen. And that is written as capital P, O2. High partial pressure of oxygen means lots of oxygen. Low partial pressure of oxygen means no oxygen or less oxygen. The more oxygen there is, the higher the concentration of oxygen, so the higher the partial pressure of oxygen. Therefore, haemoglobin's affinity for that oxygen is going to increase. So oxygen will load or associate with the haemoglobin, form oxyhemoglobin when it's high. So that will be in the alveoli, that will be in the lungs. So just to kind of very briefly say that, so in the alveoli, high oxygen concentration, high partial pressure of oxygen, high affinity... Therefore, oxygen loads. So what would it be in the respiring cells? Low. So low oxygen concentration, which means low partial pressure of oxygen. What would the affinity be? High. <laughs> does, it want, does it want to hold on to the oxygen? No, it wants no. it gone. Once it's gone, so that's a low affinity. So what's going to happen to the oxygen? It's going to... Leave. Yeah. And what, what kind of words will we use for that instead of leave? Disassociate. Disassociate or unload. Fantastic. Well done. Now, we can see this better, and I will talk about the, sh- the changing of shape and the binding and so on, by looking at an oxygen dissociation curve. 
So if you want to look at the same diagram that Sarah is looking at, then you can go to teachmescience.co.uk to look at that. If you've already got one, you've been using it to revise and, and to learn from this particular topic area, then that's fine. That's not an issue. So the bottom axis is partial pressure of oxygen. And you can see it goes from zero to 100. Uh, and then you've got percentage saturation of oxygen. Zero to 100. So how much is in the haemoglobin? Yeah. Is that okay? And that's mm -hmm. zero to 100 as well. Mm -hmm. Well, you would expect that as the oxygen concentration increases or the partial pressure increases, that the actual saturation, you would expect it to be just a straight line up. The more oxygen there is, the more it will bind to it. So you'd expect it to be a straight line and yeah. be um, linear. You'd expect it to be a linear relationship. The more oxygen there is, you know, it would always, always go up the same amount every time. Mm -hmm. it, it's not like that. You can see it's a bit of an S shape. That is, is something you need to know. something to do with, like, active transport? No. So it's not like the higher it gets, the harder it is to get in? It is harder the higher it gets. Okay. Yes. But it's not because of concentration. Not to do with, like, but it's a, But good, good thinking. Okay. Good thinking. Now, you can see at the start where there is a low concentration... And you would expect it to be, obviously, a low saturation because it has a low affinity for oxygen. But it doesn't just go straight up. It takes a little bit of time for it to, 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 start, to start binding. And then you have a nice steep curve that you'd expect. Like the more oxygen there is, mm -hmm. the better it is. But then it starts to sort of curve, as in you say, you're suggesting it's like not as easy. It gets more difficult mm -hmm. and then it plateaus off. Is it something to do with... Just below 100%. Finding ones that aren't connected, are they like... It's, yeah. Oh, you've got four, you've got four, you've exactly. got four. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and then someone's at the back that's got none, but exactly. they're too far away. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And not only that, it's like, yeah, you've got four, you've got four. In, in most cases, it's, oh, you've got three. What are the but chances... my friend here, I'm with my mate and... Um, what are the chances of me finding that one in the... Homeoglobin, that's not, and being able to get to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. a real fight for You're um... absolutely right, Sarah. That's really good. Well done. So you can see when there's no oxygen on the shape. And the reason for that, the reason why it takes a little bit of time as the oxygen concentration is increasing or the partial pressure is increasing, it takes a little bit of time to get going, is because when there is a low acidity for oxygen, so when there's not a lot of oxygen around, Hemoglobin is shaped in a way where the binding sites are closed off. Right. They're very united and not really allowing them in. So to get that first oxygen bound is actually really difficult. But once the first oxygen binds, the hemoglobin changes shape to expose the other binding sites for the other three. So the second one binds a lot easier and then the third one binds a lot easier, which is why you've got this steeper graph shape. And then it starts to curve off, and that's exactly what we've just said. The chances of an oxygen molecule being able to find that last binding site in the haemoglobin is actually not very probable at all, which is why it starts to curve and mm. slow down and just plateau off there before yeah. the 100% uh, saturation. We call the first bit positive cooptivity. So the binding of the first makes the binding of the second easier and so on. But then, obviously, the fourth isn't so easy. The majority of the binding sites are occupied, less likely to find that empty one. We've also got the Bohr effect having an effect as well. 
So how much oxygen that is present in the environment, in the conditions, also has a little effect as well. In the alveoli, in the lungs, there's less carbon dioxide. When you've got less carbon dioxide, it's less acidic. The pH is less acidic, slightly more towards the light of the alkali section, the neutral or alkali, okay? And actually, the pH also affects the shape. So where there is less carbon dioxide present and the pH is slightly higher, the shape will also then increase the affinity for oxygen and make it easier for oxygen to load. So what that will do is that would shift the curve slightly to the left and give you a higher affinity for oxygen, even if the partial pressure of oxygen is lower. It would was, it was still make it easier for the oxygen to bind. And then in the respiring cells, it's the other way round. The oxygen is being used up in the cells and the carbon dioxide is being produced in the cells. So it builds up a little bit. So there's more carbon dioxide in the tissues and in the respiring cells. So that will lower the pH, make it more acidic. And therefore, the haemoglobin is going to be unloading the oxygen easier because it's lowering the affinity it has does, for oxygen. Doesn't the carbon dioxide have to leave the body? Does that have to bind to something to leave the body? No, that's dissolved in the plasma in the blood. Oxygen doesn't dissolve in the plasma. It has to be held onto by the haemoglobin. Whereas carbon dioxide will happily just diffuse into the blood and just dissolve in the liquid plasma of the blood and be carried like that to the lungs, diffuse right. into the alveoli and out. Uh, good question, though. Where you've got a line slightly more to the right, that's where it's not holding on to the oxygen more readily and loading it. Yeah, okay. okay. Those lines can also be representative of organisms in different environments with slightly different haemoglobin. For instance, if you've got an organism that lives in low oxygen environment where there isn't as much oxygen as we have available to us in our environment, so it might be underground, something like that, then their haemoglobin is going to be as slightly different to ours and it's going to have a higher affinity for oxygen in low oxygen conditions. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So that it can load any available oxygen at any time. The haemoglobin would be the higher affinity line, just slightly more to the left. Or organisms that are quite active all the time, so organisms that fly, so they're constantly respiring to get the wings yeah. moving. They would actually have quite a lower affinity for oxygen. Can you think why? Taking lots of it in all the time? They would be taking it in, but the idea is that if their muscles are constantly contracting, then they're going to be respiring a lot, which means they've got a high need for oxygen. So they'll need to unload it readily into the cells as much as possible. So they have a slightly lower affinity for oxygen so that they will, as soon as they possibly can, they will unload it into the cells. So that would take the curve slightly to the right. So what we will learn from this graph is that more to the left, higher affinity will load oxygen, even in lower conditions of oxygen, as much as possible. To the right, further to the right you get, the lower affinity you have, the more likely you are to unload it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of it in terms of the content that I wanted to cover and how haemoglobin, what it looks like, how it behaves, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So haemoglobin, the word heme, is referring to the heme group, the iron. And globin 
is the fact that it's a globular protein. Right, should we do some questions? Yeah. Okay, so one thing about haemoglobin questions is that it's pretty much always going to have a graph. There's very few questions that is just going to be like, oh, how does haemoglobin behave? You know, in this situation, what yeah. does it do? What does it look like? You're not going to get very many of them. If you do, they're one mark, two marks. Always going to be a dissociation graph or there's context to it in the sense that it will be a, an organism, an unfamiliar organism. It will give you the information about what environment it lives in. It will give you the graph and it will say, right, how does it help this? Yeah, okay. you know, so There's uh-huh. loads and loads of things like that. Almost certainly going to have a graph-based question when it comes to haemoglobin. So the ones that I've found, I've got four questions, no, three questions, sorry. A couple of ones that are just answer them straight off and then one that's got a graph, but I've kept it fairly simple. Two marks to start with for question one. Binding of one molecule of oxygen to haemoglobin makes it easier for the second oxygen molecule to bind. Explain why two marks. Um... So think about how haemoglobin starts. It's closed off. It, the binding sites are closed, closed in. Does it open them up? Yeah. So the haemoglobin changes shape, remember? Yeah. To expose more binding sites. Mm-hmm. So the second one and the third one bind easily. Okay. So the mark scheme says binding on the first oxygen changes the structure of the haemoglobin, the tertiary or the quaternary structure which leads to or uncovers second or another binding yeah. site. There's the second mark is that bit about uncovering the binding site. Question two. Explain how oxygen in the red blood cell is made available for respiration in active tissues. Three marks. Is that basically you've got to explain everything? You need to explain the unloading and the reasoning for the unloading. More carbon dioxide. More carbon dioxide. So you've got an increase of carbon dioxide, one mark. Lower pH. Lower pH. Um, Excellent. It's trying to disassociate with the oxygen. You've done it. (laughs) But you've done it. Spot on. Excellent. So low pH, one mark. Due to increased carbon dioxide, one mark. Increased disassociation from the haemoglobin. And then there's one little fourth mark. Oxygen diffuses into the tissue. So it's just saying, right, it lets it it go and it diffuses into the cells. Well done. Okay, good. Right, the third question has the graph. Well done again. If you want to just look at this graph, it's a very simple one. Um, You will have to look at it if you want to do the question, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's on teachmescience.co.uk. Yeah, the question will always be in the the Google Drive because I always put, if we have a question and a picture, I always put the picture up on the resources page and then... I always put the question on the Google Drive. So if you had to click on the Google Drive and go down to the episode, it'd be number 47 and then the picture and the question would be in there. But I don't know if people actually know where to find the questions some of the times. They're always, always, always in the Google Drive. So do you want to just read the text at the the top? Lugworms live in mud where the partial pressure of oxygen is low. The graph shows oxygen disassociation curves for a lugworm and for a human. So you've just got... Oxygen dissociation curves, one for a human, one for a lugworm, on the graph itself. And it's a sketch graph, so there's no data on it at all. So it says, explain the advantage to the lugworm of having haemoglobin with a dissociation curve in the position shown. So the lugworm lives in a place where the 
partial pressure of oxygen is low, which means that it takes what it can get when it can get it. Yeah, so it has a higher... Don't remember. Affinity. Affinity. So higher affinity for oxygen for one mark, or it absorbs or loads more oxygen at lower partial pressures of oxygen. You said lower partial pressures of oxygen, but you had to sort of get the idea that even at those lower partial pressures, it will still load it as if there's lots of it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like it will load it as if there's a higher one because it's got slightly different haemoglobin. So it's easier for that first oxygen to bind in a lugworm than it is for a human. Shall I do the roundup then? We the haemoglobins are a group of chemically similar molecules that are found in many different organisms. Haemoglobin is a protein with a quaternary structure of four polypeptide chains. Each chain is associated with a heme group containing an iron 2 ion, which is Fe2+. Each heme group can bind to one oxygen molecule to form oxyhemoglobin. This is how haemoglobin carries oxygen from the lungs to the respiring tissues. In the alveoli, haemoglobin associates or loads oxygen due to the higher partial pressure of oxygen, giving it a higher affinity for oxygen. When one oxygen molecule binds to the first binding site, the tertiary structure of haemoglobin changes to expose the other binding sites, therefore making it easier for the second and third binding site to fill. The fourth is the most difficult to fill due to it being less likely for oxygen molecule to find that empty binding site. An increase in pH due to low partial pressure of carbon dioxide also ensures the haemoglobin shape increases oxygen affinity. In respiring tissues, oxyhemoglobin disassociates or unloads oxygen due to the lower partial pressure of oxygen, giving a lower affinity for oxygen. This is aided by the high partial pressure of carbon dioxide, which lowers the pH. This is shown on an oxygen disassociation curve. Organisms that live in environments with low oxygen levels have haemoglobin with a higher affinity for oxygen at lower partial pressures of oxygen. Therefore, they are good at loading any available oxygen and the dissociation curve will be shifted to the left. Organisms that are very active have a lower affinity for oxygen so that they can unload it to use it in the respiring tissues. This will cause a shift of the dissociation curve to the right. The haemoglobin of a developing foetus has different properties to adult haemoglobin in that it is more efficient at absorbing oxygen at lower concentrations. This is due to the fact that the mother's blood has a much lower oxygen concentration than the air in the alveoli, so it allows for the baby to obtain oxygen from its mother's blood. After birth, the baby begins to produce adult haemoglobin. Okay, mm -hmm. so I've got your takeaways. There is four binding sites on the on each haemoglobin. On each haemoglobin, the haemoglobins are in the red blood cells. Excellent. And the oxygens bind to them. Uh, they all desperately um, pushing each other out the way to to bind. It goes and it travels, and then uh, in the low carbon dioxide, low pH one, they all it's like go away, go away, and then they all go away. Carbon dioxide just stays in the blood and dissolves, and that's yeah. how it gets out. You've got the idea of the loading, you've got the idea of the unloading, the go-away bit. Mm -hmm. Good, well done. Right, the wider reading 
Is this the last week of May? It is the last week of May. Mm -hmm. uh, the wider reading is, for the last time, Genetics for Humans. It's a blog. There are articles on there which are very good for your A-level, give good context. So it's it's basically genetics research that has been written in a way where you can understand it slightly better without the language that you'd normally find in journals and a much easier to understand and therefore gives much better context to your A-level. If you'd like to contact us, we have a website, that's teachmescience.co.uk. We also have all our resources on there, so give that a look. We have an email address, you can email us. We have had quite a few things over the past couple of weeks, we should talk about those. Yeah, I was, yeah. Good. I was just finding them. Um, yeah. Teachmebiologycast at gmail.com is our email. You can tweet at us, that's at teachmebiocast. And on Instagram, we're at teachmebiologycast. Okay. We had a, f had a fair few messages. We have I had think, quite a few, yeah. Recently. One that we had through our website, a guy called Ian, and he said that he'd actually been listening to a, our, our podcast. He found it very interesting. He was enjoying it. And he wanted to give us money. And we were just like... I'm for money. Oh, give wow. me money. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to know where to donate to us and he wanted to know where he could buy one of our Teach Me Biology mugs. And I mm. had to explain to Ian that it's fantastic that he would want to support us in that way. But we never really felt like we were the sort of podcast that could be like, oh, this is our Patreon. Give us money. Merchandise just feels like a million miles away yeah, from us. Yeah, we made we that just, merchandise ourselves. We and... just made it as a present for ourselves when we started the podcast. Yeah. So I smashed mine to bits. Yeah, I mean, I've got like I've got a, a mug, I've got a uh, a travel mug, I've got a bag, and it's all got our logo on, and I just like you know love it. But it's mine, and and it's not something that we we've made available for anyone to buy. So I don't think we will in terms of the merchandise probably ever we do that thinking but, of doing a uh, but we are thinking of a maybe, coffee thing what's it called yeah it's called buy me a coffee so we, and that. it might be cheeky and it might be a bit be like yeah but no not, one has to do there's donate, absolutely do no obligation to ever <laughs> yeah. ever buy us a coffee because our podcast will always always be available to you for free because education is free if we were to set this up it would be sort of around our one year anniversary anniversary and we would let you know that it was there and if you wanted to just buy us a coffee it would fund our podcast in the sense that we treat this like a hobby we have fees to pay yeah. uh, as every podcaster does we have to pay we pay for our website we pay for our podcast host fee yeah every month and obviously we had to buy our own microphones and we use sarah's knackered mac we've had to fund it all ourselves because we and we treat it like a hobby we've got no trouble doing that whatsoever but we never really felt like anybody would want to donate to us or anything but we're going to put it out there anyway so mm -hmm. if we get a couple of quid that's great that'll yeah. be amazing and we would love that person forever so yeah we're, we're thinking of doing that but thank you so much ian for your and lovely message really nice and just a lovely lovely guy lovely, yeah. yeah thank you right what else have we got we've got a lovely message from a lady called Anne on instagram and she said that she loves our podcast and it got her through her access to unicorse she says that we're a scream. She said, you and your sister are a scream. We're a scream. And uh, really helped me think through how to answer the exam questions. So thank you. Great. Uh, how lovely. Thank you so much. Uh, we had a couple of emails as well. Um, yeah, I just want to mention the guy asked us what all of our wider reading was from the past. Yeah. So what we've actually done is, if you go on the resources page of our website and go to the bottom, I've put a list of all of our previous wider reading in case anybody wanted to know what it was. Yeah. All of the previous wider reading we've ever had. 
and a lady called Kelly, who is a science teacher in England, and she said, firstly, a massive thanks for the fact that she is in a situation where two of her biology A-level teachers left the school and she had been left to pick up all of the year 12 and all of the year 13 A-level biology and our podcast has been a lifesaver. So we are more than happy to have helped you and we are glad we did and that's what we're there for. Actually sent her a few things that might help her. She asked she specifically Some requested, specific resources, yeah. She specifically requested Transition stuff, resources. I think it was. Yeah, so I sent them to her and she was so grateful. I'm just trying to think, is there anything I've missed? Oh, and Riley. Finally, we got back to Riley. So I think that's all we've had and I'm really sorry if I missed anybody. You literally don't know how happy we are every time we get messages. Mm-hmm. And um, thank you so much. Yes. So if you wanted to get in touch and tell us about yourself, what you're up to, what you're doing, we, we no problem interacting with anyone no. in, in a positive way. And if we've helped you in a positive way, that's amazing. I'll say it again, but I've said it before. We set this up for A-level biology students. But obviously, over time, I've realised that there's a lot more people out there not A-level biology students, people that are revisiting the topics because they wanted to get into uni or college, depending on what country you're in. We get more listens from America than we do in our own country. Mm -hmm. And it is amazing. Strangely, the North Pole as well. And somebody in the North Pole. So Who who are you? The person in the North Pole. Who are you? (laughs) If this is you, if it is you, let us know. Because I picture Santa sitting listening to us. Was that the bell? That was the bell. Oh, fantastic. Great. We're going to have a break now. Yeah, we're going to have a break. We're going to actually have a break in between recording and then have lunch. And have some lunch. What do you want for lunch? Well, Maisie told me that we were going to have pancakes, but I don't think that's the case, is it? I, I said I would. I, I was going to offer pancakes for breakfast, but you said you were going out for breakfast. Yes. So I didn't think there was going to be pancakes. I can make you sandwiches. I can make you a pita. I can make you some cheese on toast. I will have a sandwich. I can make you an omelette. Or you've already had eggs. I had one egg this morning. I will have a sandwich, maybe some crisps, or as they would say in other countries, chips. Some chips. Actually, yeah. you know what? This goes out, and the next day we're going Butlins. I know, I was going to say, this was literally <laughs> going to be my next thing. It was going to be, <laughs> guys, we are literally going on holiday. We're at going the on weekend. holiday tomorrow. When tomorrow. you are listening to this, if you listen to it on the day it comes out, and you probably don't, but <laughs> the day that this goes out, the next day we're going on holiday. We're going on holiday. We're going to a place called Butlins, which in England is a. Um, How could you describe like Butlins? A resort. <laughs> it's a, re- a, a seaside resort. Yes. For children mainly, and it is just fun. Yeah. Fun, fun, fun. Okay, we've been chatting at the end here for like 20 minutes. Okay, well, you're going to cut most of it out anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. 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 Bye-b